the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, inviting you to join the fight to end human trafficking. Look in the eyes to see. Look in me straight to leave. You give me all I need. So give me courage to believe. Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. You were in the neighborhoods we live in. You were in the ones we're passing by. You were in the ones we call our neighbors. And the ones who still sleep are Now here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. And thanks, Dave, and welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. I'm excited today. Well, first of all, I'm missing my partner in justice, Vanessa Russell, who is out and about doing the work of combating trafficking here in the Bay Area. And Vanessa, we miss you. And I know you're going to be so upset with me because we have a powerhouse in the room today. And that is Pastor Mike McBride, who is also best known as Pastor Mike. And he is the pastor of the Way Christian Center in West Oakland. And welcome, Pastor Mike. Glad to be here with you, Sister Benita. Oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. We're we're just going to get right into it here. And for the listening audience, I would just say put your seatbelts on because mm-hmm. we have a lot to discuss today. Um, Pastor Mike has been doing so many things, not only here in the Bay Area, California, San Francisco Bay Area, but across the nation and the world. And he has been in ministry, active in ministry for over 20 years. And he is committed, he likes to say, to holistic ministry. And he can really be seen doing, really doing that and leading others. He's a graduate of Duke uh, University's Divinity School mm-hmm. with a Master of Divinity. Um, and his emphasis is in ethics and public policy. And um, you will know why and see why here in a, in a few minutes, few minutes. In uh, 2012, he became the director of the Lifeline to Healing, or Live Free campaign, with the PICO National Network. And I'm going to let him start there and tell us a little bit about PICO. Great, great. Well, it's glad to be here with you again. Glad to have you. Um, The PICO Network is a national network of faith congregations um, that work to address issues of human exploitation um, in many different forms. Yes. The scriptures say that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, Mm, but against against principalities and powers. Uh, wickedness, evil in high places. And Mm -hmm. so uh, there are very systemic and structural 
uh, forms of exploitation that often bear themselves out in the daily lives of many of the people we know and love. So the PICO Network takes seriously that people of faith, congregations, faith leaders um, have a responsibility, both a moral, a spiritual and institutional responsibility to respond to systemic and structural evil. And uh, the PICO Network has uh, been working with uh, thousands of faith congregations in dozens of uh, states and hundreds of cities for uh, going on now 40 years. And so I lead our uh, criminalization and uh, incarceration uh, wing of the PICO Network. It's called the Live Free Campaign. And you can go to livefreeusa.org if you want to learn more about that livefreeusa.org or piconetwork.org and uh, we work uh, to address issues of mass criminalization of people of color, poor folks um, and and try to dismantle those systems those structures that are indeed evil That is powerful. Now when you say PICO, what does PICO stand for something? Yeah, PICO is an acronym that stands for People Improving Communities Through Organizing Yes. Yes. People improving Improving communities communities through through organizing. Yeah. And like I said, it was started 40 years ago in Oakland Mm -hmm. by a uh, Jesuit priest uh, named uh, John Bauman. Okay. And uh, he helped to uh, bring many of the tools of organizing uh, into a kind of uh, religious context. And uh, many of us know that if you're part of the black church, uh, we've been organizing ever since we got here. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so it's, it's been a a real powerful effort. um, I believe to kind of formalize some of these informal uh, efforts uh, to address systemic evil and achieve liberation for uh, those who are oppressed and marginalized. Wow. That is really, really powerful. You know, I, um, I think our listening audience, not I think, I know our listening audience, too, is going to understand why um, in 2013 you were selected as one of the, the number nine top clergy leader to watch in the U.S. And mm-hmm. um, because of the work that you do. So uh, tell us a little bit about some of the local and national task forces. Yeah, so, you know, um, my story, you know, actually starts here in the Bay Area. You know, I was born and raised in San Francisco, the Bayview, Hunters Point, uh, part of the city, Mm -hmm. and went to Burton High School, Um, went to a Christian school, pretty much kindergarten all the way up through ninth grade. Um, So I was able to see both uh, the world from a a very kind of Christian perspective. My -hmm. family, I'm a fourth generation holiness Pentecostal. Wow. So uh, I tell folks, you know, we we really saved. (laughs) We we speak in tongues. We holler and dance on a good Sunday. We even levitate sometimes. Um, But we also had to go home to uh, the reality of communities that Mm -hmm. were drowning in the crack epidemic Mm -hmm. and drowning in gun violence. And we realized that um, being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, being spirit filled uh, didn't necessarily shield you from the daily realities of of human weakness and uh, and systemic and even personal sin. So so it it was for us, uh, you know, very important formation. Um, It all came to my front door as I was a youth pastor in 1999 in San Jose at Bible Way Christian Center. Uh, Dr. Oscar Dace, my pastor, mentor. There's another connection. Mm -hmm. Um, I was uh, physically and sexually assaulted by some police. I was beat up uh, one night on my way home where I lived with them during my uh, college years. And 
And that experience, again, um, you know, I was a youth pastor. I was a worship leader. I was my pastor's personal assistant. And none of that stopped the police from seeing me as mm-hmm. uh, a dangerous person, as a mm-hmm. criminal. And they uh, did a number on me. And all mm-hmm. of that collectively um, awakened a sense of justice uh, inside my spirit, my mm-hmm. heart. And uh, it was even brought home more intensely when my young people in my youth group Mm -hmm. told me that this was happening to them regularly. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, how come you never brought this to me? And they said, we didn't think the church was a place to bring this Mm -hmm. part of our lives. Mm -hmm. Now I've been dealing with young people. This is going on my sixth or seventh year as a youth pastor. I was counseling them about their soul, about Mm -hmm. their school, Mm -hmm. about their relationships, but the breaking of their bodies and their Mm -hmm. spirit at the hands of systemic and structural evil was something they didn't feel comfortable bringing Mm -hmm. to me. So for me, that really helped me to launch into being engaged in local task force. We started with the San Jose racial profiling mm. work. Mm-hmm. Then we did a statewide effort with uh, Michelle Alexander, who wrote the book, The New Jim Crow, okay. um, to address issues of, of police uh, racial profiling. And then all of that continued to bubble up to okay. the gun violence task force after the Newtown shooting mm-hmm. and uh, some other issues around boys and men of color, mm-hmm. my brother's keeper, and then most recently um, a 21st century policing effort after our uh, work in the Ferguson and Baltimore city. So these task force have been an effort of of us bringing our faith and our values into Mm -hmm. a space that is often um, considered uh, 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 a little bit too, um, too differentiated. And Mm -hmm. uh, we have found it to be very responsive. And isn't that just like Christ, right? He said to go ye Mm -hmm. into all the world. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, making disciples. Making disciples. That is our Christianity is based on making disciples. That's right. You know, and and replicating other Christ followers. That's right. Not necessarily making or or creating more people to come to fill up pews on a Sunday. That's right. But to um, invite people to become Christ followers. That's right. To make steps of change. That's right. And to be doers That's right. of the word That's right. as well as hear, hearers. Yeah, discipleship has to become, I think, for the, the church in America, a not only recovered um, mm. uh, um, practice and ministry, but one that is often redefined. And so yes. often we think of discipleship too narrowly as mm. a set of, um, you know, Routines, ABC. right? Come to church, yes. pay your tithes, yes. stop, you know, smoking, drinking, sexing, right? Right. right? And we don't realize that discipleship is also about how we treat our neighbor, mm-hmm. how we steward creation, mm-hmm. how we steward our local mm-hmm. and even municipal um, civic bodies, yes. how we spend our money, et cetera. So discipleship, as you said, I think is it's a it's a wonderful framework, and that's the framework we even use at my church. Mm-hmm. I want our folks to understand that. Um, you loving justice, you living mm-hmm. holy mm-hmm. are acts of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes. in that regard, uh, I think we can make a profound impact in our communities. Yes. And getting that message to more churches. Yes. You know, and that I'm, I'm, oh man, I'm with you on that one. Um, you have alluded to a couple of things like your, your appointment to these task forces uh, around. So we're going to take a break right here and come back with more of that great after this commercial break we'll be right back with another segment of abolition radio the broadcast outreach of love never fails we'll be back with more abolition radio right after these messages
Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. And we're missing our fearless justice partner, Vanessa Russell, today. But we have in studio with us today, Pastor Mike McBride from The Way Christian Church in West Berkeley. Yes. And once again, welcome, Pastor Mike. You... um. I want to get to your appointment um, as an advisor in President Obama's faith-based advisory council for faith-based um, for the faith-based and neighborhood partnerships. Mm-hmm. I understand why that that is definitely a need. Tell us more about that. What's some of the work that has come out of that? Yeah, so the faith-based advisory council actually was started under President Bush, President okay. George uh, W. Bush. Yes, and uh, I think I remember that. It was yeah. an effort to bring the religious and faith community into a greater concert and council with uh, the the president uh, to enact the presidential vision and agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, then Barack Obama kept that office right. and uh, filled it with a number of very prominent um, faith leaders from very from faith traditions. Bishop Charles uh, Blake from yeah. West Angeles Church of yes. God in Christ is actually yes. on the first uh, one. And there's been tons of evangelical and, and uh, Protestant and, and uh, Pentecostal folks. So I was blessed to be invited uh, by the president to serve on the final uh, faith-based advisory council of mm-hmm. his administration in 2016. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wanted to talk about economic inequality. Mm-hmm. And um, my particular uh, invitation invited uh, us to talk uh, specifically about the ways in which mass incarceration create economic inequality. Mm-hmm. And so I chaired the um, the justice and the race and justice um, subcommittee of the president's task force. Wow. You you said it before I could even write it down. That was going to be my question. <laughs> okay. So go, go right ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I uh, chaired that subcommittee and we, we worked to create um, a number of recommendations to the president, uh, many of whom that he did uh, consider mm-hmm. and implement before he left office okay. um, to address systemic and structural inequality, mm-hmm. particularly related to um, the issues of race and the criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know uh, all the research tells us that uh, black and brown folks do not use or sell drugs at a higher rate than any other group, mm-hmm. a white, Asian um, et cetera. But uh, our communities are uh, overrepresented in the, the jails and the prisons. Um, we have higher sentences for the same crimes. Um, our communities are often uh, policed differently, even though the, the, the behavior is consistent across many different communities. Right. Even when you account for violence, that is often connected to some of these, these uh, uh, human tendencies, uh, there's inequality baked into the system. So mm-hmm. so we helped to uh, provide recommendations that made sure those who were swept into the criminal justice system during the war on drugs era, uh, that many more were offered clemency. We helped to provide a lot of the clemency recommendations. Um, right. We helped to uh, provide some better training for 
um, federal employees around okay. uh, racial bias. Okay. Um, we help to uh, talk about how can we uh, uh, ban the box, okay. um, which is a box that is often on applications that former incarcerated folks have to check, um, mm-hmm. saying they've been in jail. And and so we've we've we we were able to create a whole bunch of efforts um, mm-hmm. that uh, really just remove structural barriers for folks who. Mm-hmm. Um, made mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, paid their quote-unquote debt to society and mm-hmm. were trying to come home. We as Christians know that we should never be defined by the worst thing we've done in our life, mm. that Jesus uh, offers us redemption. Yes, he does. And, uh, thank if, you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'm thankful that Jesus don't treat us like the United States criminal justice system does, or we, yes. we'd all be in a world of trouble. <laughs> so we're just trying to live, again, that value out in the criminal justice system and make sure people aren't criminalized for their whole lives and that was uh, primarily my my responsibility on the the white house faith-based advisory council what about in some of the trainings that you guys implemented or or suggested were there trainings for law enforcement as well absolutely we actually train law enforcement ourselves um my my brother ben mcbride who is uh, a powerful prominent um uh, pastor and faith leader here in the in the bay area um you know we've all constructed uh trainings that actually train police departments on how to minimize and control for their implicit bias. Yes. And so um, he talked about procedural justice, which is just a a way of talking about making sure police actions and behaviors and decisions uh, have a just uh, kind of line of decision making and accountability. Mm -hmm. Um, That work is actually called HEAT. It's an acronym for Mm -hmm. HEAT. Um, And, you know, pretty much our, our training helps police departments do better in hiring, do better in the equipment that they have. So Mm -hmm. not depending on militarized police Mm -hmm. um, uh, accountability, better Mm -hmm. in accountability and better in training. And so our our work very much um, works with uh, police departments as much as we uh, are invited to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our work is not anti-police. We are certainly anti-police brutality. Right, right. Um, None of us are anti-police. We work very closely with law enforcement as well. Yeah, law enforcement is, is, uh, you know, for us uh, something that we think we have to reimagine um, Mm -hmm. in this moment, but we do think that, um, you know, there is value in working to uh, eliminate the bias and Mm -hmm. the injustice that is in the criminal justice system, or we will have a community that uh, does not believe in the systems. And where there is unjust or unconstitutional policing, Mm -hmm. we will have um, uh, violence and we will have uh, uh, a lack of trust. And so those right. are things that we work with the Department on Justice all the way down to Oakland, San Francisco, Richmond, um, uh, even down in Los Angeles and in uh, many different cities across the country. Great, great. Yeah. And isn't that just like the Lord, right? You j- just shared in our last segment how you, out of your church in San Jose, were abused mm-hmm. by um, a policeman. Yes. And now here you are on the flip side. Yes. You know, God works in mysterious ways. I mean, uh, of course, the journey to get there, I, I had to do a lot of therapy. Oh, I'm um, sure. I went to 
I'm still going to therapy. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. coming out of Ferguson, mm-hmm. our Ferguson experience there really triggered a lot of my I'm my sure. trauma, uh, sure. re-triggered my trauma, re-traumatized mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But you know, as a minister and as someone who believes in the healing power of Jesus Christ and the and the sustaining power of the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think. Uh, we are built for this kind of ministry. And so my hope and prayer is that many more of us would see ourselves stepping out to be the bridges between Mm -hmm. these uh, uh, very um, uh, uh, um, conflicting communities and spaces. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I'm thankful that uh, I get to be counted as one that God will use in this season. You know, that's so interesting because that's how we feel here in the combating uh, trafficking fight and and field and space as well. We feel that I know I can speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I feel that that this is the ordained time yes. of the Lord that he has called me to this space to make um people aware of this issue mm-hmm. and to help prevent it, to help combat it, to make change, to be agents of change, to stop um sitting in whatever we're doing, whether at the time for me, I was in a classroom, the teacher. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I also sit in the pew as well mm-hmm. and not stop being that person complacent, you know, and not stepping out and doing what I can, all yeah. that I can to help in this fight and this issue. And I see that that's what God is doing with you. And the, I mean, the, I tell, I tell our people all the time, you know, God doesn't call us all to the same Thing. Exactly. exactly. Um, but what is the most radical, faithful thing you can do right. as a Christ follower to yeah. dismantle and to uh, address some of these forms of oppression and um, and destruction of people's souls and bodies? Mm-hmm. And when you find that thing, mm. be radical, be do passionate, yes. go out and do it. Yes. Um, do it in such a way where, as the as King Agrippa told uh, Paul and them. When they were coming to his city, the folks said, oh, my goodness, here come these men who would turn the world upside <laughs> yeah, down. Yes, I, I, yes. That's what I want our congregation, I, hopefully all of us, yes, are able to do together. Yes, for sure. For sure. For any of the listening audience who has not um, gone online, I think it's a Harvard study on implicit bias. Mm-hmm. I strongly suggest that you do so. You know, many of us, we don't think we have bias, you yeah. know, and, and many of us are really trying very hard to not have that bias, <laughs> but we all yeah. have implicit bias and it would be interesting to find yours. So I, I, I put that little challenge or charge yeah, and out there. It's a real quick test. And, and, yes. and again, it's often unconscious to us. So I, I yes. often just tell folks, if you don't consciously address your bias, you will be unconsciously shaped by racism and prejudice. Yes. You so will. it's important to just consciously Lean in, dive in, and let's figure out how to deal with it together. Yep, and talk about it. And that's what we're going to do when we come right back here with another segment of Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors.
Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Pastor Mike, you mentioned um, about the task forces that you've worked with um, federally, and um, you mentioned Ferguson earlier. There have been uh, too many, Mm. a plethora of these incidents like Ferguson. Um, Let's start with uh, the killings in Newtown. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, were you involved with that? Yeah. So what was so amazing and, and uh, uh, tragic about about the killings in, in Newtown? Um, I happened to be in Washington, D.C. that day mm. at a training um, with survivors of the Virginia Tech shooting. My alma mater. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Um, and survivors from the shooting in Columbine. Okay. There were some families there. We were doing some work on how do we prevent gun violence. Okay. And we were watching or we were in a lunch break and all of a sudden the news camera, mm. the news started to come on about the shooting in a, in a school. Mm. And these mothers mm. who I, you know, I met them maybe six hours, fell on the ground mm. into fetal positions and wow. just began to wail. Wow. It was like they were just reliving. Mm-hmm. I was the only pastor, faith leader in wow. the room. Wow. And, and it was interesting, you know, leading up to um, the lunch hour. Um, many of them were talking about how the church had let them down and they just, you know, got, they lost their faith in God because their child had been taken. Mm. And, you know, I was saying, well, you know, you give me some time, we're going to have a whole lot more, you know, faith leaders and pastors involved Mm -hmm. in, you know, peacemaking. Mm -hmm. And then, and then this happened. So they looked at me and said, you know, pastor, can you pray with us? Wow. And they said, can you help lead a prayer vigil mm. today? Because I just feel like this is yeah. going to be a terrible, terrible day for our country. Wow. And so just me happening to be there wow. in D.C., we led the vigil that ended up in front of the White House. Wow. Too bad I didn't know that then. I was also in the airport oh, when I wow. got wind of that. And I want to say it was D.C. It's not D.C., somewhere in the Midwest. And I was like. I just burst into tears. Yes, it was it was it was a terrible day. It was, um, you know, and, and part of the part of the the conversation that I was uh, um, bringing and was invited to try to amplify and help the task force figure out is we have a daily mass shooting mm-hmm. in this country mm-hmm. when we add up the number of gun related homicides mm-hmm. and the overall majority of the victims um, are African-American men mm-hmm. in particular. Um, when you think of the suicides or count up the suicides, the overall majority of the suicides in this country are middle to older age white men. Yes. So there's a problem with yeah. men mm. and guns. guns. Mm. And so part of what uh, I felt as a peacemaker, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. Um, I, I really felt and continue to be compelled that we have to make every effort to create peaceful communities Mm. to deal with our anger, our Mm. fear and our pain that Mm. often drives us to irrational spaces and places of hopelessness Mm. and or anger Mm -hmm. and or fear. And so hopelessness to me is the, the bottom of, of where a person ends up if they uh, succumb to a suicide by gun. Mm. Um, Anger is, Interpersonal violence mm-hmm. with access to a lethal weapon mm. is often the manifestation of irrational anger. And then fear. Mm. 
yes. to me, is often the manifestation of the officer-involved shootings mm. that happen all across yes. the country. Yes. Um, again, all the research is telling us that, uh, you know, these incidents continue to be about an officer perceiving they are in danger. Right. So anger, fear, and pain, mm. hopelessness. Often we have found if we can, as peacemakers, followers of Jesus, make every effort to be a part of the solution, uh, then we should jump in to do that. And so those task force um, opportunities gave me and our network, hundreds of clergy all across the country, an opportunity to lean into local, state and federal task forces to reduce gun violence, either by suicide, by homicide or by police involved shootings. And thanks be to God. Um, our recommendations and our work um, is continuing to take uh, and, and gather lots of steam. And, and so we have a number of opportunities and events that are coming up that are going to on-ramp people to hopefully um, put their faith in action and uh, be a part of the pro- uh, solution and not mm. uh, sustain the problem. Wow. You know, I have um, heard you speak on a few occasions and you speak of the work you did in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And you just spoke of how some of that you know, triggered your own personal yes. um, story or, or emotional trauma. Yes, mm-hmm. trauma. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, when I I uh, was here in, in the Bay Area, of course, I was in my bed, actually, um, and saw uh, the the first image of Michael Brown laying on the ground and his mm-hmm. father and his grandfather saying the police have just killed my grandson. Um, and then later on that evening, we saw all the images of police with dogs and, um, you know, weapons and things. Um, it appeared they were, you know, aggressively pursuing and mm-hmm. even terrorizing members of the community. And so we were called by pastors in St. Louis who knew of our violence prevention work. Mm-hmm to ask us to come and help do some mediation between the police and some of the um, groups and uh, gang members, quote unquote, that the young people were being characterized as. And when I got there, I found that the only gang there were literally the police. Mm. And I know that's a harsh yeah. statement to say, mm. but I personally, while I was in Ferguson, had uh, rifles pushed in my back by police officers while I was wearing my clergy collar and we were trying to do crowd uh, control. Some called me the N word. Some called me animals. Some said they were going to blow my effing head off. Mm. Um, very, very violent responses to uh, largely uh, overwhelmingly peaceful protesters who uh, in many respects were trying to not only secure um not just justice for Michael Brown, but talk about all the the disparities that were happening mm-hmm. in in their in their community, and so my presence and our presence there, we believe, helped to uh, craft and shape a conversation about um, justice, fairness, but also about healing. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we heal the trauma, the historic trauma mm-hmm. that is a reality in our country? There's not been one day in the history of the United States of America. Where the bodies of dark skinned folk, black, brown, mm-hmm. even native and indigenous people mm-hmm. have not been subjected to arbitrary violence mm-hmm. at the hands of the state. Mm-hmm. And that violence lives inside our bodies. Mm-hmm. I have to live with my daily trauma from being abused by the police, from being, uh, you know, uh, traumatized in Ferguson, mm-hmm. from being pulled over and stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to live, many of our communities have to live with the violence. Uh, that's in our neighborhoods because mm-hmm. of the overwhelming presence of guns or or drugs or interpersonal conflicts. That violence 
traumatizes us. And mm-hmm. so as a pastor, I believe that God has the power to heal. Yes. I believe God has the power to restore. Um, and we have to go find these folks. I love right. how Jesus healed so many people as he was moving mm. out in the public space. Mm. Mm. Um, not all of the healings, very few of the healings happened in the house of right. God in the temple. Right. It right. happened as Jesus was moving and interacting with people. So I do believe um, our work on task force, our work in Ferguson, mm-hmm. our work in the neighborhoods in the evening, as you all walk mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the evenings, mm-hmm. in the nighttime, as we move with the power of God's spirit yes. with us, yes. then it triggers and initiates personal healing that I believe also spills over into social healing. Yes. And prayerfully, we'll get to a place in our country where we have national healing yes. <laughs> um, that we then hopefully it. can create Global healing. Yes, and, uh, so, so it's, it. it's, it's a, it's a mission and it's a ministry. And, uh, again, um, very excited to be a part of it. You know, we're going to come back and talk about trauma mm. because, as you know, the population we serve and because we're talking about the same people. That's right. Right. Absolutely. Um, you're talking about gun violence and we're talking about anti trafficking. And there is a the correlation there. Absolutely. There is a, a, a connection there. Um, we, are going to come back and talk about trauma and how we need to do that. But before we move on, I want to just make this general statement that please no one call us or Facebook us or email me that we're bashing police here. This we are not bashing police. We have I have very dear police friends. We work with law enforcement every day. As do I. Yes. And (laughs) I I'm sure that None of us are deaf or blind and have not seen the few bad apples mm-hmm. that have been highlighted in the media and in in uh, on in the news. So we're speaking of those. And we know that a few bad apples, we're not going to allow the few bad apples to spoil the whole bunch and that there are um, very many positive um, police officers out there. So just want to make that statement out there no no claims here (laughs) but we will be right back with another segment of abolition radio the broadcast outreach of love never fails we'll be back with more abolition radio right after these messages Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back. We have Mike, Pastor Mike McBride here in the room from the Way Christian Center in Berkeley. We left off, Pastor Mike, and we were talking about trauma. Mm-hmm. 
and um, the effects of trauma mm-hmm. on people, and particularly um, in this country, people of color, That's right. black and brown um, people, and how, you know, it's been, I always say that it's been ingrained in us since we were sent here mm-hmm. or brought here, right? Um, I have been to West Africa and gone through, walked through the door Mm -hmm. of no return. Mm -hmm. And me, a free African-American from America, knows what that felt like to Mm -hmm. me because I know what I saw when I walked through there. But that mindset, Mm -hmm. I always say, has been what we came with. Mm -hmm. And it's still, in many instances, being oppressed upon us. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that trauma. So the scripture says that the sins of the fathers will be visited mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. their children. We don't like that scripture. We don't like that. Yeah. Um, four or five generations. Right. Um, I thank God that God is a is a cycle breaker. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and we also are hearing and learning from science that trauma. And memories of trauma are actually fused into our genetic code Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, that Mm -hmm. we have memories. Mm -hmm. We hold on to the stress, the Mm -hmm. fear of things that happened to our ancestors. Mm -hmm. So when people say, why don't you just move on? Mm. Believe me, if anybody wanted to move on, it'd be us. We would want to move on. <laughs> but there's a reason why there is a residue of fear, of 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 stress, of anger, mm-hmm. of frustration that is easily triggered. When I came home from Ferguson, I I would lay in my bed and all of a sudden uh, my kids, my wonderful kids would slam the door and it would remind me mm-hmm. of a flashbang grenade. Mm-hmm. Without even me wanting to, I would just start crying mm. uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be in my office and a light would flash and it would just trigger me crying. And I had to go to a lot of therapy mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. deal with that. When I was physically sexually assaulted, I had to talk to a therapist who helped me deal with my trauma. And so, mm. so in as much as we would just want to pray over it and shout over it and sing mm-hmm. over it, <laughs> the church has to realize that. There are many ways that God mm. would heal us. Mm. I remember Naaman uh, was wanting mm. to be healed from mm-hmm. his leprosy, and the prophet told him, go wash in that dirty mm-hmm. Jordan over there. And he got upset. He's like, man, what's wrong with all these other clean pools, mm-hmm. right? Um, sometimes we don't want to wash in the mm. the, the unconventional mm. spaces, uh, be healed in, in ways that aren't just immediate. But I have found that mm. the process of healing actually addresses other parts of our lives mm. that we may not even be aware of have been impacted and affected by trauma. Could it be mm. that Naaman's uh, going to the Jordan wasn't just about the healing of his leprosy, but the addressing of his pride, mm. right? I mean, mm. there's all kind of ways there's that God... There's a preacher in the room. No, I, I, I don't mean no harm. It's early <laughs> no, in the morning, I know. No, no. <laughs> no harm, no yeah, harm. But, but I, I, just, I just really believe that trauma does does not stay in one part of our life. Right. It, 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 it bleeds and it mm. spreads and it infects many places. And so this is why our work has to, I think, move away from criminalizing trauma. Mm. Many of the young women I know who are former students of mine who are caught in trafficking mm-hmm. um, were abused. Yep. 
they were as children as children by men mm-hmm. by uh, family members family members mm-hmm. um husbands of mm-hmm. their of their um birth moms mm-hmm. they were kicked out of homes mm-hmm. because they may have been too rebellious right. and then they got caught in a relationship yep. with a, another man who forced them to prostitute their bodies yep. i mean it's all kinds of circumstances that land our loved ones in situations that are certainly beneath their divine dignity. And so we can't criminalize only, only criminalize human weakness. We have to have a framework of healing and restoration. And so when we talk about trauma, we want to talk about public health approaches. Yes. Yes. We want to talk about therapy because many of these people don't even know that they're have trauma. No, no, because they've never had a chance exactly. to sit with their pain. Right. Much less even have their pain described to right. them in this way. Right. We right? find that when we work with women um, that they, I'm not being trafficked. I'm mm-hmm. not being exploited. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, that's, you know, mm-hmm. they don't even realize. No. Nope. Yeah. Until you it's remove them. You have to remove them from right. the situation and give them a reminder of what their life is supposed to, to be, be like. Mm-hmm. And and without judgment, mm-hmm. without punishment, but just reminding them that you are creating the image of God. That's right. That God has created you. When God thought of you in eternity, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God mm-hmm. said you were going to be something right. special. Right. Whether you pookie shooting on the corner or whether right. you Keisha that is caught on the street corner. Right. All of us have something that God has in his imagination for us. And mm-hmm. it is our job as the church to remind people of that before they get to our church service. Mm-hmm. And that is why I think mm-hmm. we have to continue to challenge ourselves to be outside, not with uh, security and with all, but in the places where Jesus found himself. Wouldn't mm. it be something if Jesus walked around with a security mm. force mm. and nobody could touch Jesus wow. unless they walked through a metal detector? Mm. And no. I, I, I believe that the Holy Ghost power I have is more powerful mm. than the powerful of a than the power of a weapon, a power mm-hmm. of a mm-hmm. of a of anything. And I hope and pray that the church recover the boldness and the power of God's spirit mm. so we won't need to depend on horses and chariots. Yes. We were called to depend on God. Yes, yes. I feel like preaching. Good word. Yeah. <laughs> Go right ahead. Go right ahead. We have a few more minutes. <laughs> I feel like preaching. The church you. needs to rise up. We do. Not bashing the church here. No. But we, that's what we're called to do. Yeah. You know, the whoever is the founder of the establishment that you call church did not do it just for show. That's right. There was... And I pray some mission of that church. That's right. Of that group of people. Go back to the mission. That's right. Follow the mission. Find the mission if you don't have a mission. Mm-hmm. And do it. If you're off the track, get on it to figure out what it is, how you can make a difference. Like Pastor said, we know that all are not called to to stand on the street corner and and uh, do some of the work that we do, but I can guarantee you what it is you are called to do. We can use it That's right. in the fight that we are about. And it, when in doubt, go to the prophets. That's mm. what I tell folks. I think we, we spend, as we should, a lot of time in the Gospels and in mm. the New Testament. But I challenge us to go to the prophets and let the prophets, the words of the prophet, 
uh, wash over us like a cool breeze. Mm. Uh, the scripture says, yet the Lord belong, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. The mm-hmm. Lord will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. That's yes. Isaiah 30 verse 18. Yes. Micah 6 says, he has shown you, yes. O mortal, what is good? What does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy Mm -hmm. and to walk humbly with your God. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do Do good. good. Yes. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, please the cause of Of the the widows. This is not a ancillary thing to the follower of Jesus. That's right. This is part of what it means to follow Jesus in the original Greek. Justice and righteousness are literally the same word. Yes. They're yes. just using different English words. So I tell our folks all the time, and you can look me, look it up and, 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 and challenge me on this, but I'm telling you, it's true. If you were to read uh, the Beatitudes and include the word justice mm-hmm. right after the word righteousness, mm-hmm. it would change the way you understand mm-hmm. that scripture. Mm-hmm. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness and justice sake. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that change the way we respond Ooh, to good. those who are who are really pushing the envelope to make sure we address systemic trauma mm-hmm. and violence in our community? So there's a call for the church. We invite you. Be a part of this yes. call. Yes. Uh, we tell our pastor all the time, will you be prophets in the righteous revolution? Mm-hmm. Or will you be be chaplains of a failing empire. Wow. And uh, I hope many more of us will be prophets and priests in the service of God in this moment. Wow. We're going to come right back really quickly and talk about maybe some ideas and practices you might have Mm -hmm. that um, we might be able to use. And we're going to talk about some events that we have coming up. So we'll be right back. We're going to be reflecting on some leadership and justice. Yes. We'll be right back with another segment of Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We have been blessed today by having our brother, Pastor Mike McBride, here in the house. And um, we have been talking about a myriad of injustices that um, we have all been a part of, whether it's gun violence to human trafficking Mm -hmm. and um, the disproportionate... um, injustices against black and brown um, people. And as we wrap up today, I'm hoping, I'm praying that something that was said allows you, uh, the listening audience, to reflect, 
to uh, maybe come up with a new idea or practice that you want to change that maybe you have not taken the implicit bias uh, test quiz that you do so to help yourself be a better person, one without that bias. And thank you so much, Pastor mm-hmm. Mike. No, glad to be. And uh, for the work that you do, mm-hmm. I would like to take this opportunity to wish you all a happy Easter as we and our listening audience celebrate tomorrow our risen Savior. Happy Easter, one and all. This week is the week that our new mentors training class begins. So if you are interested in becoming a mentor for positive change, please email mentors at loveneverfailsus.com and check in with Misty and she will give you all of the details there. Also, uh, a big fundraiser is happening, Music of the Spheres. We would love to see you come out. It's Friday the 28th at Grace Cathedral in San Francisco, and it will be from 5 to 9, and it is a benefit for our education of California students, particularly the students here in the Bay Area with our Protect uh, curriculum and program, as well as um, others here in the area. It's going to be a magical night of music and feasting and social good. So come on out to Grace Cathedral. For your tickets, you can go to musicofthespheres slash tickets and dot com to get your tickets there and to hear artists such as Zion and Kev Choice and Latif True Speaker, many, many others. So come on out and support. Also, the night before um, the Alameda County Sexually Exploited Minors Committee, Awareness Committee, will be having their eighth annual open mic for youth. So come on out and listen in to the youth there. And it will be once again at Betty Ono's on Broadway. And it begins at 6. And that's Thursday the 27th. Also, June 10th through the 18th in San Mateo County, uh, the Bay Area Anti-Trafficking Coalition will be having their Before Our Very Eyes uh, awareness campaign during the San Mateo County Fair from the 10th through the 18th. So more on that will be coming out in the very near future, as well as Saffron Strands Conference. Their annual workforce development conference for the homeless will be June 12th and 13th there at the Richmond Auditorium in Richmond. If you would like to partner in any of these activities, give us a call. Let us know. You can contact us on our Facebook page, Abolition Radio, um, on Facebook, abolitionradio.com. You can uh, go to loveneverfailsus.com, and we would love to have your support with donating. Be one of a million at com slash million, and it's only we ask you only for a dollar per month, and you share that with others as well, and that would greatly help support us. And if you have not heard today in our, our show here today or have never heard before, please know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org, by liking and sharing our page on Facebook, Facebook slash Abolition Radio, 
or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. Abolition Radio is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported, nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in sex trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to abolitionradio.org and click on Love Never Fails. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. Our theme song, Courage to Believe, is by Justin McRoberts. Hear more about his passion for justice and art at justinmcroberts.com. And this is Dave Naderhood. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thanks for listening, and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free. No more you're in hope tomorrow. The pain of today, you are where you are. You are where you are. to see. Give us strength. You give us so so give us courage to believe. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.